You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Alan Bates. He's the owner of Borderlands Books and Borderlands Cafe. Thank you for joining me, Alan. Oh, my pleasure, Rick. Alan, tell us uh, why you decided to open a cafe next to your bookstore. Well, there were two main reasons. Uh, the first one was that the uh, the space became available, and having a chance to you know open a business right next door to your existing business certainly saves on the commute time and all kinds of associated headaches. But the... Um, the bigger reason was that I wanted to get into a business that was subject to a different set of economic pressures than, than book selling. Given what the business has been like over the last few years, it seemed to be wise to perhaps get into the business of selling something that no one is going to buy online. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Um, San Francisco is a pretty notoriously difficult place to find space uh, uh, it, Tell us about uh, getting this space right next door to you. How did that happen? That's pretty incredible. Well, it actually was because uh, the space is in the same building as the bookstore. It's all it's it's all one owner and, and a single structure. And so, over the years, I've developed quite a good relationship with my landlord at the bookstore, and you know we've 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 worked together quite well. And you know I pay the rent on time and take good care of his building. He leaves me alone, which is really in commercial is the best thing that you can hope for from a landlord. And uh, so I heard that the space was going to be available about nine months before it actually was available, and that gave me some time to sort of plan and, and figure out what I wanted to do. But so basically it was, you know, good luck, happenstance, and uh, having a good relationship with my landlord. Well, the next step of the process is, I would presume, getting some permits, because I, I was actually in that space. It was not necessarily a space that one would... that. Uh, when I was in there, was in any way ready for people to sit down and eat in. And I have to imagine, talk about the permitting process for converting something from essentially, uh, you know, a dusty garage into a place where people can sit down and eat. It was, it was pretty extensive, actually. Um, I was, I was lucky to work with a very, uh, very good and very experienced architect named uh, Scott Ellsworth who actually has his office directly across the street from the bookstore and, you know, lives upstairs from his office and owns that building and has been in the neighborhood for over 20 years and was a customer at my bookshop. And um, he sort of knows the ins and outs of the permitting process pretty thoroughly, and so he was a huge help. Most of the permitting was relatively straightforward, except uh, San Francisco has a, uh, a zoning requirement that is designed to prevent uh, chain stores like McDonald's and Burger King and, and places like that from doing sort of stealth openings without letting the people in the community have some advance warning and an opportunity to protest. But that same ordinance uh, caused the cafe to be categorized as a large fast food restaurant um, because of the total square footage and the fact that we were serving food that was, that was to go or eat in which meant that we were subject to a conditional use permit, which required a notification period and postings and all kinds of things, and then waiting for people to have, have an opportunity to comment on it, and then a hearing with the planning commission. Uh, 
And so that process, just the conditional use process, took over six months um, from start to finish. And so that was a little bit of a surprise. In the end, we had no complaints. There were no protests whatsoever, and a lot of people in both the local community and also the sort of extended community of our customers and professionals in the science fiction field uh, wrote a lot of letters in support, and we did an online petition that was supported by uh, uh, Cheryl Morgan. Through her blog, she announced it, and it was picked up a number of other places. And so we got a real outpouring of community support, which ended up being totally unnecessary because no one had any opposition to us opening in the first place. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, now, have you always wanted to be in the restaurant business, or is this something new? And, and do you really consider this a restaurant? Tell me about how you approached this as a, you know, as a business. Well, a bit the way that I approached book selling and that I got into it without knowing anything whatsoever about the business and figured it out as I went along. Um, I actually have no background whatsoever in food service. I even managed through, uh, through college rather than working as a waiter. I worked as a machinist assistant. So um, I, I, I basically kind of learned it from the ground up. So there was a lot of talking to friends of mine, several people who I know who own cafes in San Francisco, were very, very kind and generous with their time in terms of giving me advice and so forth. And uh, then also spent a lot of time talking to coffee roasters and talking to tea blenders and importers and talking to people who, who worked in food service, just trying to figure out how the business worked. And um, I guess to answer your first question, I don't really consider this a restaurant. Um, my goal was not and still is not to really provide people with meals. So what we're more aiming towards is, you know, a light snack and um, good coffee, good tea, you know, sort of other beverages as well, but not really a restaurant per se. And our cooking facilities are quite limited due in part to cost and zoning considerations, but also due to the fact that I really don't want to run a restaurant. It's very complicated and uh, I think perhaps a little bit beyond my uh, beyond my reach. So um, tell us what kind of cooking facilities you do have, and, and is there food prepared on the premises? I, I, I love to cook, so I'm really interested in all this kind of stuff. Well, <clears throat> essentially our cooking, our cooking facilities are sufficient to store, heat, and assemble food, but not actually cook it. Mm. And that, in fact, is what our permit from the health department calls for. Uh, allows us to do. Mm -hmm. So we have a microwave to warm stuff. We have a uh, 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 what's uh, what's called a double double bain marie or soup warmer to you know keep soup hot and things like that. But we don't actually prepare the soup. that's provided by a by a local um, commercial kitchen does our soups for us. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of the food that we do, we do uh, salads. We do meat and cheese plates and things like that. All of which. You know, we're basically slicing it and arranging it, but all the preparation is done off-site. Now, uh, this business, of course, it's a Borderlands Cafe. It's next door to your bookstore. It seems to me like that's a really great opportunity for synergy. Do you host the signings now in the cafe, or is there some kind of spillover? And is, are the spaces actually connected physically inside? There's sort of taking those questions in reverse order. There's no interior connection yet. Because there are some there are some complex issues revolving around fire code and eliminating a firewall between two commercial bu 
two separate commercial spaces that um, are both expensive and complicated, and so that's something I'm willing to do. But there will be a connection between the two businesses at some point. It's probably going to take six months to a year before I get the permitting and, and, and the financing sorted out for that. In terms of where we're having events, we're, we're slowly moving towards having events at the cafe, and I think that in the next six months or so, we'll be doing most of our author events and, and things like that in the cafe. It's a more conducive space in many ways. There's, there's, it's not as crowded because we don't have as many shelves and books in the way, obviously. And um, also, it's, it's more open and there's more room for seating and, and so forth. Now, as it's as it stands, we've done a couple of events there. We're doing events in the bookstore as well, so we're kind of figuring our way, up, you know, what kind of arrangement works in the cafe, where we should put the reader, and, and things like that. So we're we're in the process of working it out. You talked about having author events there, uh, but I'm guessing you're really pretty closely connected to the arts community. Would you consider having painting exhibitions there or music events there? Well, we we actually have uh, one um, uh, exhibition of a local photographer's work up right now. Um, some some uh, some pieces done by a man named John Goldie, and uh, I just arranged for our next show, which is going to be going up at the very beginning of next month. Who's a uh, it's work by a genre artist named uh, um, Barry Barnes who's done some work for us in the past, and we actually sell some of his prints. So we're definitely going to be doing art shows. In the future, I would love to sort of alternate shows in between doing one local artist within any specialty and sort of any subject area, and then on alternate months having a out-of-town uh, genre-focused artist do a show. I've talked to John Picasso about that, and I've, I've talked to a couple of other, Greg Manchester as well about doing something at the cafe. So that's what I'd like to see happen eventually. In terms of music, mm, at this point, no. I'm open to it, but uh, having some experience in the nightclub industry and, and with booking bands, it's an awful lot of work, and it, there's a fair amount of sifting the, the, the chaff from the wheat, and that's not something I have time to do right now. So we're not really doing musical events now, though we may do that in the future. Could you talk about the the synergy between the two businesses? It seems like the you know a cafe next to a bookstore is a really it's a natural fit because people like to sit around and read. And are you experiencing kind of an uptick or, or some crossover between the two? Very much so. Uh, something that we've noticed is that when we've we've had several meetings at the cafe, um, IO9, uh, the science fiction website, had a meet up there. And uh, we also have a couple of book clubs meeting there, and um, local cartoonists collective is going to be meeting there. And what we've noticed is when we do events at the cafe, sales at the bookstore have a definite uptick. And when we have events at the bookstore, sales at the cafe have an uptick. So the two, the two are supporting each other quite nicely. And I think that some of the future possibilities are very interesting in terms of being able to do more complex and varied uh, author and book-focused events. And, you know, it's, it's practical with the cafe to do a sort of, you know, sit down and kind of get together and chat with an author, which wasn't really practical at the bookstore because there was no good place for a bunch of people to sit around and talk at the store. So there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of things we're thinking about doing in the future that I think will be kind of neat. 
Well, that sounds very interesting. That's a really innovative uh, way to to market books. I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit, too, just while we're talking about books, about the new Apple iPad that just came out today and, mm-hmm. and how you think that's going to impact your, your business as a bookseller. Well, that's that's been something that I've discussed with a couple of people so far today. And um, I've... I, I've been using Apple products since the mid-'80s, and uh, I kind of keep a pretty careful eye on, on what they're doing and what they're developing. And I had suspected that there would be something like this coming from Apple for several years now. There have been sort of rumors about it, and it seems to be such a good match, especially the sort of ebook slice of the iPad, which is... A relatively small slice of what they're of what they're trying to accomplish with it, but that slice and how it affects me, they're in a they're in a marvelous position to really make that work. They already have a huge base. I think the uh, figure was 25 million active accounts with their iTunes store, and so they kind of have the the method of delivering content and selling eBooks nailed. And they've got a huge number of people who are essentially already customers. It's like they're adding another product line more Mm -hmm. than they are starting a business from scratch. So I think they're in a position to do a very nice job with it. I was surprised at the degree that they pursued that market. Mm -hmm. I was surprised that they're planning on having their iBook store or iBooks, which they seem to be promoting on an equal level with their app store and with the uh, iTunes music store. And um, I also was surprised that they essentially have relatively locked in deals with all five of the major U.S. publishers. So that was what I was surprised by. In terms of the effect that I think it's going to have is on the good side I think that Apple's model is much more open and much more supportive of publishers and authors than Amazon's ebook model. Um, Amazon wants to pretty much set the price for books, and Apple seems to have no interest in doing that. They're willing to let publishers set whatever price they want, and Apple's just planning on taking their 30% and uh, giving the uh, publisher 70%, which is a better deal than uh, Amazon initially offered. And uh, Apple also is not married to a DRM, uh, digital rights management, i.e. copy protection scheme, the way that Amazon is, nor are they using a proprietary format. Apple is using the EPUB format, which is an open format supported by uh, an awful lot of publishers and most libraries. So I think all of that's great, because over the last few years, looking at the ebook market, the thing that has worried me is that Amazon's model would become the sort of ascendant model, and I think that that their sort of uh, copy protection model and their price-fixing model is, is bad for authors and bad for publishers. On the downside, uh, I think that um, if the Apple iPad is successful, which I suspect that it will be, and if their uh, ebook sales and you know iBookstore is successful, which I also suspect that it will be, I think it's going to cause a lot of store closures. Mm-hmm. And I think probably starting with Borders and uh, some independent stores, 
and then I think it's going to continue to cause closures. That's unfortunate. I, I can see it being a real boon for students in textbooks industry, which seems kind of like a uh, uh, a ripoff. Uh, you know, they've got you. They've got you where they want you with the textbook industry, and, and the iPad mm-hmm. can be very useful for that. Um, and I was just interviewed uh, Alan Chu's about some textbooks he wrote, and I can see they'd be they're beautiful four color textbooks. They're just gorgeous, and I can see they'd really translate nicely to this format. Mm-hmm. Um, to see to see a takeaway lose I mean and losing chain bookstores is not necessarily a, a minus as far as I'm concerned but the, certainly a mixed thing yeah it's a mixed blessing but to to lose independent bookstores would be a problem and so I'm I wonder if there's going to be any way they can reach out to these independent bookstores in some way and I they seem if anybody is inclined to they they would seem to be inclined to whereas Amazon reaches out with a with a hammer. Well, they they do, but to Amazon's credit, they don't care uh, their their affiliate program. Mm-hmm. They don't really care who's collecting the money for sort of click through sales from a website. Mm-hmm. They're 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 happy to to you know make people partners in selling books. Apple does not seem to have any system like that in place. Mm. Nor does there seem to be any real financial motivation for Apple to do that. Mm. And um, yeah, I should I should also sort of point out relative to to this whole topic is that as a reader mm-hmm. and as someone who who cares about the written word and cares about writers and so forth, I think ebooks are great. Mm-hmm. I think that they 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 have a, a lot of really marvelous potential. As a bookseller, um, I think that ebooks are what probably will put most bookstores out of business. Mm-hmm. I don't know how fast. But I'm I'm relatively confident that that will happen because the book business operates on a tight enough margin now. Mm-hmm. I would suspect that all that it would take to put almost any independent bookstore in the United States out of business would be to lose 25% of their sales. Mm. Which doesn't mean everybody buying ebooks. It just means one person out of four switching to ebooks or everybody buying one ebook to every three physical books and bookstores will go out of business. That's a scary prospect. It is. <laughs> and if you think it's scary, imagine how I feel. <laughs> uh, I I now understand the cafe a whole lot better. I've been that speaking- is that has been another factor in my decision to open the cafe. I've been speaking with Alan Bates. He's the owner of the Borderlands Bookstore and the Borderlands Cafe. Thank you for joining me, Alan. No, it was a pleasure, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.